Say something stupid, Tom. It's sick. It's sick. Thick. Thick. Thick old pages. You look like angry Bill O'Reilly with a beard. You're just like, do it live. We're doing it live. Welcome. Entertain this. A podcast about movies, TV shows, and video games. Okay. Not modern warfare. Yet. <laughs> Not yet. My name is Aiden. With me, I have Mitch. Hello. And Tom. Hi, Tom. All right. Today. Bless you. <laughs> Sorry. Stuck up over there. <laughs> I didn't. I, for a second, I thought you went, hey, you. <laughs> I really laughed. <laughs> Just had like that Mario sneeze. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, did you see the, the, the new voice actor Uh-oh. for Mario? Um, he does a lot of anime, but he usually does, like, like deep, you know, anime characters. Like, oh, Goku. I've been many a year since I've seen you. <laughs> you can't think of a single anime character with a deep voice. So you're just like, yeah. oh, Goku. And then they got this guy doing uh, uh, Mario, and uh, man, he does it pretty good. It's kind of like, like the guy who does the new voice for Mickey. It's a me. He's always playing. Mario. He's always playing like evil live action characters. You know, I think uh-huh. he was in like a John Wick movie at one point, and he's doing Mickey Mouse. <laughs> and you see him, you're like, "That's the guy, really? <laughs> this is funny." <laughs> <laughs> but he does a yeah. So, anyways, all right. Well, uh, that's uh, that's our podcast. We just go off on tangents and talk about random stuff uh, that we find entertaining, usually to our individual self, and then everybody just kind of sits and nods. So. Yeah. That was that moment. Yeah. Yep. Moving on. <laughs> Before we begin this episode, social media, Mitch. Wow. wow. Hey, don't steal my thunder. Entertainingthispodcast.com will take you, you to our Facebook. Any thunder. Oh, I do. Saw <laughs> him when he sat down. Entertainingthispodcast.com will take you to our Facebook group and page, where you can go to our Twitter slash X, which is at this entertain, our Instagram, which is entertain this, our TikTok, and our YouTube, which is entertain this exclamation point. I think that's it. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. 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 There are no other social medias that matter. Not that we use. No. Not that you can all do. I want to play a game. Uh, I guess we're going straight into trivia now. Yeah. Are we? For today. <laughs> Mitch is like, I don't have time to listen to Hayden. Mitch, put the gun away. <laughs> ah! Look, I, had, I did all the work. I'll just go with it. Mm. All right. We're going straight into trivia. What's mine? To- <laughs> I don't know. Oh, that's Power Rangers. I want a new one. Oh boy! All right, there you go. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we're doing uh, famous actors that did voice acting uh-huh. that you may or may not know. James Woods. <laughs> that might be a question. <laughs> what I'll do is I'll give you the character. And if you don't know the character, I'll give you the movie that it's from, and then you just got to guess who the actor or actress is. All right. Starting with number one, John Smith. Mel Gibson. <laughs> I only heard his buzzer go. Oh. There you go. My... Mel Gibson. Yes. Ah, right, well, there you go. Tom. I actually knew that. <laughs> Fiona. Uh... <laughs> Nope. 
movie? Fiona. Yeah. That's uh, the movie. From, uh, from Shrek. Oh. oh. Cameron Diaz. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, if I give you the, the actress or, the, or if I give you the the character and nobody gets it, when I say the movie, you can rebuzz in. Nice. Uh, let's see. Brother Bear. That one. Brother Bear. Is. Probably not going to be who you think it is, but. Uh, yep, I don't have it. Movie, please. Brother Bear. Well, from the Bernstein Bears. Oh. Oh. Dan Aykroyd. No. Bill Murray. No. Think a lot younger. A lot younger from the Bernstein. And a comedian. Billy Crystal? No. A lot younger. A lot younger. Like currently young, pretty much. Oh, Pete Davidson. Close. Uh, It's along those lines. Uh, Colin Yost? Nope. Was he on a Saturday Night Live? I don't know. Oh, uh, Keenan. Nope. Darn it. Kel. <laughs> uh, he played Brother Bear in the Bernstein Bears. Bernstein. Uh, T- tell me when you give up. Was he the little bear from the Brother Bear? Was it yeah. Peel? No. Was it Key? No. He was a young comedian. Was or still currently is? He was. was from like the TV show, the Bernstein Bears. Dave Chappelle, and he and he does comedy today, like mm-hmm. stand up. Uh, not necessarily stand up. He's in comedy movies. I mean, I'm sure he has some stand up, but uh, Zach Galifianakis. No, I got it. Uh, let's, let's guess. Schnikes. No. David Spade. Michael Sarah. Oh. Really? Yeah. Wow. He's not a comedian. Well, he's a com- comedy movie. Yeah, but you said com- like we we, we assumed plays, stand up. He plays com- Al in the Barbie movie, and his only feature is that he can wear Ken's clothes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number four, Sally Brown. Sally Brown. Um, From the Peanuts. Yeah, I was going to say Charlie Brown's sister. Which iteration? The original. Ooh. So 1965. <laughs> Shelley Duvall. No. It's the original all the way to now, actually. To, really? Is she still alive? As far as I know. No. Well, it, it's at Let least... Let me Google it real quick. It's, <laughs> no. It, it, it's at least from the last several decades. Like, I guess two or three decades. Uh, are there any hints? Because she played it when she was little as well. When she was little as well. Um, Meg Ryan. She's actually a singer. Cher. No. Celine Dion. No. Um, I don't know. Patti Smith. No. John Jett. Fergie. What? What? <laughs> nah. I looked it up. When she was when she was a kid, she played the the, the sound of Sally Brown. It still did in the most recent movie. Isn't she like a duchess? Like for real a duchess? I don't like know. through marriage or something? Something like that. Huh. All right, number five. Stuart. <laughs> Stuart? Uh, Michael J. Fox. Yes, okay. from Stuart Little. Mm. I probably got <laughs> It's only one to two. <laughs> Let's see. Kid Simba. <laughs> Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Yes. There we go. <laughs> I'm on a roll now. <laughs> <laughs> Crap. Number seven. Shredder. <laughs> Uh, Francois Chow. 
No, these, these are all animated. Oh. Either CGI or cartoon. Michael, what's his name? It's Shredder from the 1987 Ninja Turtles cartoon. Oh. Hmm. Just remember Turtle Soup. Hmm. Bruce Willis. He also played a judge on a TV show. A judge on a TV show? Mm-hmm. Was a TV show. The Fresh Prince of Bel Air. That's right, <laughs> Uncle Phil. But what's his name? I don't know. <laughs> uh, was it? It's not Michael. Nope. Is it James something? James McAvery. Was it his name, McAvery? If you can tell me the actual last name, if not, I'll give it to him because he's closest. James Avery? Yes. <laughs> James Avery plays the, the Shredder. Number eight, Sideshow Bob. Kelsey Grammer. Okay. You're tied again. <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> uh, let's see. Number nine, Nigel Thornberry. Uh, Tim Curry. I can do this with my hands. <laughs> Smashing. All right, number 10, the genie. Robin Williams. Damn. Uh, number 11, Tigress. <laughs> Stupid buses. <laughs> <laughs> Tigress? Yes. Uh, uh, do you know what from? From Wonder Woman. <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, from Kung Fu Panda, correct? Yes. Um, oh, I, I do. Scarlett Johansson? No. No. Oh. It is. A woman. It is. <laughs> yeah. And you're asking me because. It's the question. <laughs> you know. She has a name, I'm sure. I know I, I, I know the movies and her face. I just, the, the name is blanking on me right now because. She adopts lots of kids. She does. <laughs> Angelina Jolie? Ah! Yes. Thank you for the hint. <laughs> I was thinking like two meter, two meter. That right. movie with Brad small amount of piece, small amount of piece. <laughs> Number twelve, Meg Griffin. Uh, that would be as he thinks. Um, oh. Enough. M- me, uh, uh, Kunis. Yes. D- ah. Come on. Why do we have to sit through this of him going? Ah, mm, ah, ah, me, ah, mm. Hey, buzzed in first. I, I, I have way less sleep than you, do, Tom. Cut me some slack. Number thirteen. I will cut you nothing, <laughs> Mr. Fox. <laughs> I'll just buzz. <laughs> Mr. Fox. Yeah. What's that from? You buzzed in. I know. I, I know who it is. The Fantastic Mr. Fox. Yes, George Clooney. Okay. Thank All you. Right. Let's. Where was that? Number fourteen. Horton. <laughs> Jim, uh, no, no, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Stop hitting my table. God, Steve Carell. No. Darn it. I'm guessing it's from Horton Here's a Who. Yes. Oh, wait, I know who it is. There you go again? Yeah, just somebody guess. Jim Carrey. Yes. Okay. I was about to say it. <laughs> See, I he get he gets <laughs> 40 seconds to try to spit an answer out. I get two You'll be all right, seconds. Todd. You'll be all right. <laughs> Number 15, Cole Tucker. I don't know who Cole Tucker is. <laughs> I'm just buzzing into Beat Hayden. Uh, 
Who the hell's Cole Tucker? What's, what's that from? Well, that, that'll be the next hint. Uh, let's say, is it from Pr- Treasure Planet? It's from Titan A&E. Oh. <laughs> Matt Damon. Da! That is correct. <laughs> Makes me think of Billy Madison. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number 16, Luann Platter. Oh, damn it. It's from King of the Hill. I, I know who it is. <laughs> is it Julianne? No. Damn it. I don't know. Is this a famous person? Yeah, they're all famous people. Uh, They've been in like live action movies and shows. Crap, who the hell plays Luann? Mm, Goldie Hawn. No. All right. Uh, I don't know. Brittany Murphy. Damn it, that's uh, right. Number 17, Frozone. Samuel L. Jackson. He takes a deep breath. <laughs> Where is my super suit? <laughs> Number 18. Alex the Lion. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Look, I don't know. <laughs> He's just buzzing in. We'll be right back. Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At the Gaming Blender, we take randomized genres, mechanics, and make a new game every episode. I've added permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation, which could be House Flipper, and with the permadeath of XCOM. Then that all has to be an action adventure. Yes. Ooh, dear. Yes. And sometimes it doesn't quite work. And you you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative. A construction off. The way the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely. Entirely. Check out the Gaming Blender on all your favorite podcast platforms now. Uh, crap! I do know it. You, well, then say it. I, I'm blanking on his name again. What's the movie? It's no. Madagascar. Oh, uh, Chris Rock. No. no. He's uh, a, he, that's the zebra in there. Oh, he's the zebra. Why? Well, so I can see his face, but I can't. I see the lion. I can't. If I tell you a movie, I know. you'll easily get it, so. Well, uh, I'm just, like, you know, amnesiaing on names right now. Um, <clears throat> you just sit still. Ben Stiller. Ah. <laughs> oh, thank you. Ah. Uh, ah. Uh. <laughs> I, I was like, like Zoo- is, I just this my, is rigged. My brain, my brain was screaming Zoolander. <laughs> no, no, yes. Derek Zoolander. <laughs> That's all I wanted to say was Derek Zoolander. <laughs> he plays the lion. He gives him the blue steel. <laughs> Number 19, Lightning McQueen. Uh, Lightning McQueen, huh? Lightning yep. McQueen from I, Cars. I, I know this one. Huh. That's a good one. It's a movie I've seen. Can I go? Uh, Steve Carell. No. Owen Wilson. Yes. Dang it. Wow. Wow. <clears throat> Number 20. Manfred. Manfred. Oh, boy. <laughs> Manfred. Manfred. My, my name is Fred, and I am also a man. All right, Manfred. I don't know. From Ice Age. Oh. Uh, Ray Romano. Yes. 
No, he's the ma- the master nun. Yeah. Number twenty one. Puss in boots. <laughs> Antonio Banderas. I knew that. I, I barely could have did he t- Oh boy. Puss in boots. <laughs> Number twenty two. Quick kick. That. What's this from? Quick kick from GI Joe. So this is like the eighties. Chuck Norris. Quick kick. We should both be ashamed. Should we? I never yes. liked the Dennis Quaid. <laughs> no. I never liked the we should both be ashamed. Is it a wrestler? I really hope they're not listening. I doubt that they do, but I really hope they're not. Oh. So it's somebody that we've talked to before. <laughs> yes. Let's watch out. Yes. Oh, crap. <laughs> Yes. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I got there eventually. Oops. Oops. Number 23, Zazu. That is... Um, Who is Zazu? Um, Rowan Atkinson. Yes, the bird from The Lion King. Oh. I really thought you'd be better at this time. <laughs> I should have studied, apparently. Number 24, Buster Moon. <laughs> He's just buzzing in as, as I say it. Because, like, I'll remember it, you know, but my brain has to wake up. Buster Moon, huh? Yeah. Let's say. <laughs> He's, like, just stalling. <laughs> this, yeah, and you let him get away with it. Do you know who Buster Moon I don't even know what that's from. I don't know what it's from. Sing. From what? Sing. Oh. The animated Matthew movie. McConaughey. Sing? Yes. yes. I okay, I didn't see. <laughs> He's a koala bear. All right, I never heard of that one. It's a good movie. You should watch it. Number 25. Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> Tim Allen. <laughs> yes. I buzzed first. That's okay. I gave him a pity. <laughs> I gave him a pity one. It's not that far. It, it, it's going to be. Nah. Number 26. Rocket Raccoon. Bradley Cooper. Yes. I buzzed first. <laughs> I didn't hear it. <laughs> Number 27. Sasha. I was first? Yeah. Okay, cool. What would you say? <laughs> <laughs> Reset your buzzers. Sassy. Uh, <laughs> You're like, from what? <laughs> Roseanne Barr. No, Sassy from Homeward Bound. Oh, uh, that is... That is Roseanne. Ro- Roseanne. Okay. That is Roseanne Barr. No. Oh, uh, Princess Leia. Carrie Fisher. No. Well, that's a real name. Uh-huh. That was not Roseanne Barr? No. Are you kidding me? No. I want a fact check. Um, uh, Goldie Hawn. No. <laughs> I'm just going to default. <laughs> Why are you just like walking? I, re- I really want one to be Goldie Hawn. Um, I swear to God that that's Roseanne. I did too. Because she does the voice of... No, uh, I looked it up on she IMDb. was the cat. Uh, she also does the voice in uh, um, the baby thing with Bruce Willis, doesn't she? Look who's talking. Look who's yeah, talking. She does yeah. that. But I looked it up on IMDb. This is a different person. I'll give, I'll give you a hint. This The same actress is in Forrest Gump. Sally Field. Yes. Really? Oh, that's right. I was going to say Robin Wright. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Now, this is from the most recent movie, not the original guy, but Optimus Prime. Arthur B. No. Kill- Killingsworth. No. This is the new voices of Optimus Prime. Okay. In, in the movies and TV and all that. Um, 
Alan Tudyk. <laughs> He's in there. Stephen Root. No. Uh, Michael Gammon. He's dead. No. But you, you could have made one before he went. Um, Liam Neeson, because that's what it sounds like. <laughs> no. I'm trying to think of, like. I don't know who this dude is. Deep voices. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jason Statham. <laughs> I'm Jason Statham. I'm Optimus I'm Buffett. Up to, I'm up the first brown. Jamming. 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 Ron Perlman. Oh, yeah. Oh. That makes I sense. feel like we could have gotten ahead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Number 29. Now, this is from the newest in- incarnation, but mm-hmm. Master Splinter. Jackie Chan. Yes. Uh, let's see. Jason Todd from Batman Under the... Uh, Ackles, Jensen Ackles? Yes. Ankles? Ankles. (laughs) Jensen Ankles? Jason Ankles. (laughs) (laughs) His alter ego. Number 31, Detective Pikachu. (laughs) Ryan Reynolds. Ah. Let's see. Number 32, The Joker. (laughs) Mark Hamill. Yes. Well, there's other... Well, that's was, the only one anyone was, cared about. I was waiting. If y'all didn't guess, I was going to do Batman animated series. But Are we done? No. You're uh, number 33 out of 41. Uh, I did an odd number because I don't have any bonus. Number 33. Now, this is from the 2017, but it's Alpha 5 from Power Rangers. Oh. <laughs> it's a comedian. Um, D, is Pete Davidson. <laughs> <laughs> He's on SNL, or at least was. I guess within the last 10 years or so. I don't know if he's still on it. but David Spade. Nope. Uh, Kenan Thompson? No. Um, Will Ferrell? No. <laughs> Colin Yost? No. Michael Che? <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm trying to think who the hell's even on us, I know. Uh, it's a he. Both, both of you know who he is when I say the name. Jason Sudeikis? No. Um, Will Forte. No. Uh, who's the who's the guy that plays Barry in the TV show? Uh, Bill Hader. Yes. Oh, damn it! <laughs> I was like trying to think of his name before you got to it. I was like, crap. <laughs> All right, number thirty-four, Cusco. Uh, crap. <laughs> uh, you mean Cusco? Yeah, Cusco. Cusco is probably saying that. Uh, that. That would be David Spade. <laughs> I was going to say, you've said his name like 15 times. Cusco. <laughs> Cusco is poison. Cusco. Uh, <laughs> I kept thinking of like the salad. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I kept thinking of Patrick Warburton's voice, though. <laughs> In my head, it was just like, yeah, this is putty. Now, I'll go ahead and say this is from the live action Beauty and the Beast, but it's an animated character, Lumiere. <laughs> Jerry Orbach. You and McGregor. Yes. Dang it. <laughs> I think he was the one that won the, the movie. All right. What? The animated movie for Beauty and the Beast. Now, this is, I'll go ahead and do this one kind of backwards. It's from Clone Wars, and it's Darth Sidious. Tim Curry? Yes. Oh, really? Uh, let's see. The 2007 Ninja Turtles, Casey Jones. Uh, that I, I do know this one. <clears throat> Jason Statham. No. Uh, Will Arnett. No. Oh, I thought it was him. That was Batman and Lego Batman. Okay. Now he Chris is, Pratt. No. He is in he, one of the he's turtle He's in movies. the, the norm, or he's in the... Michael Bay one. Michael Bay one, yeah. yeah. 
Uh. That was later. 2007, Casey Jones. Who would play? Who's cool in 2007? Uh, ben Affleck. Paul Walker. I'll, I'll tell you, the person that plays him is a Marvel superhero. We'll be right back. Did you know that you can change what you taste by what you hear? How can you use sound to make a deeper connection with your clients? Can we be healed with sound? Sound influences people in their buying decisions and their daily lives. In the podcast Audio Branding, I explore all of this, both with my own observations as a voice actor of over 15 years and by interviewing knowledgeable professionals in the field of advertising, marketing, music, and science. To have a listen for yourself, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com. Jeremy Renner. No. Oh, Chris Evans. Yes. Ah. Just keep shouting him out until you know. (laughs) At this point, might as well. Uh, Let's see. Spirit. (laughs) Jeremy Mock? No. Matt Damon. Yes. Dang it. Spirit from Spirit of the Cimarron. Cimarron. We actually interviewed the guy that wrote that movie. We did. That's why I put it on here. (laughs) Number 39. Donkey Kong. Lawrence Fishburne. No. From the new yep, Super, I, I know. Super Mario Brothers. I, I'm having my brain blank again. Seth Rogen. Yes. Ah. Two more questions left. It's not looking good, There's, Tom. You, uh, how many am I five ahead? Something like that? Uh, All right. I'll give it to you, Tom. Two questions. Go for well, it. thanks, Hayden. You're so <laughs> freaking gracious. Poop from the Emoji Movie. Oh, I know this one. Poop from the Emoji Movie. Yes. I know this one. I didn't see the. I didn't watch these movies. This is why I told you ahead of time what we were doing. I don't have time to watch these. There's a Modern Warfare two, bit, three beta. What do you think I was doing this whole time? He's fancy. He's fancy. He's he's a, he's actually a sir. He's knighted. Bill Nye. No, sir. Michael Caine. No. Patrick Stewart. Oh. Yes. <laughs> All he had to do was say Star Trek, and I just. Went, All right. Well. It's... All right, and then Alvin from Alvin and the Chipmunks. At one point, I think it was what Michael from the live Fox. action. That I thought that was like a computer because <laughs> like no one's voice is that high pitched. Well, yeah, they speed it up, I'm sure. But um, Justin Long. Oh, <laughs> so really? Yeah, huh. he's going places, isn't he? That's why I made that the, the odd one. So I was like, if nothing else, maybe someone will get that one. Mm. Well, Hayden, I will say that you've won. Yay! So you get to punish Tom. Tom. Hayden. I have uh, gone down a rabbit hole of really bad video games that have, like, horrendous casting in it. And this is apropos to what Mitch just did. So you must watch the playthrough of the story mode of NBA 2K15. Oh, God. Where they casted actual basketball players to play their perspective roles. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, it's, like, the worst thing ever. And I'm excited to get your review on that. Cool. Yeah. Alright, well. <laughs> welcome to the movies. Enjoy the show. Please stop. <laughs> this here is Mitch's scene breakdown. The book. <laughs> Coming to a Barnes and Noble near you. Single spaced. <laughs> We're gonna there, There's a hundred and sixty something scenes yeah, in the Shining. It's, a, it's like a three hour movie. We're doing uh, we're doing the shining. For the shining. The shining. <laughs> <laughs> For uh, uh, in the spirit of festivities, look, we we decided to do this scene by scene, and I didn't know that there was 160 scenes. There's a lot of scenes. I don't know who picked. 
What? A, oh, yeah. <laughs> we're we're going to skim um, over some of the more. <laughs> I, like I said, I found this scene by seeing. I didn't have time I to type just it up. I the paper and I'm reading it upside yeah. down. And I was like, ooh. That's on the first page. They threw out the hard R like that. So. <laughs> yeah. Please don't it's read that. It's in the movie. All don't right. read that out loud. I will not. <laughs> Uh, all right, so let's get started. I, I, did you guys watch the movie again? I recently? did. No, no. Tom, Tom did not. Okay, I'm, I wasn't spending three hours watching a movie I didn't like. Kind of defeats <laughs> the whole point. You of, don't like the Shining? No, the Shining. It kind of defeats the whole point of reviewing a movie. But this is just Tom's podcast, and we're we're living <laughs> in it. I just remember the Treehouse of Horror, but the cafeteria, the the Seamus, he calls it the Shinnin. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the Shinnin. <laughs> I would just like to put out there that. I looked up the scene by scene for both of these movies, and I did the trivia. I did watch Shaun of the Dead. At least, at least Hayden did review, like, have his movie review for his punishment from last week. That's right. <laughs> All right, moving on to the first scene. Jack Torrance arrives at the oh. Nicholson, just, just <laughs> yeah. Jack Nicholson. Yeah, arrives at the Overlook Hotel. In the background, behind a door, is signposted the Golden Room. Two mysterious figures in the 1920s dress. 1920s dress, stand observing him. I didn't write this, so uh, bear with me as I bumble through. Jack walks up to the front desk and receives instructions from the secretary on how to get to... All right, we're just going. Okay, already Kubrick is playing with the notions of the hotel being a maze as the characters constantly make the words, make use of the words right and left as it is playing out. Okay, before we get into like the play-by-play of all of this... Uh, I did a lot of deep dive into like the psychological means behind mm. The Shining, and I have there's there is probably a million hours of people out there talking about why the you know the drapes are red or why uh, Jack wears a, a, a red coat and the, his son wears like a green or blue overall. That all right, I think it's I think it, that's a little too involved. I I I I I'm sure that color and stuff like that plays a psychological factor and things like that. Well, just know that these notes were 50 pages long until I condensed it. So, and I <laughs> I appreciate that. Yes, we get it. The Overlook Hotel is supposed to be big, convoluted, and crazy, and you know, isn't not, the Overlook supposed to be like hell? Well, because there's a lot of so like, false perspective on walls. So there's actually a, a big thing about that. Um, Stephen King. I, let's save that for the end because the, the, what it all means is probably a good way to end all of this. So, anyways, Jack goes <laughs> to the office. It, that's probably the best answer. But Jack goes <laughs> to the office. Uh, he, uh, Mr. Ullman, and he gets uh, kind of has this interview with him about you know uh, staying over the winter season where the roads are too hard to keep open uh, to have people stay at the hotel, so they just close it and let somebody caretake essentially for mm-hmm. six months. And he interviews for the job. And already, like, you can kind of start to see that his character is kind of off. He, he kind of is like... He looks like a psycho. He already looks a little crazy. Right. And, <laughs> and Stephen King, who uh, uh, did not like Kubrick's interpretation of this movie, this is one of his uh, biggest, you know, uh, critiques about it, was he always envisioned Jack Torrance in his story that uh, he was a a troubled person who was trying to get right through alcoholism, you know, trying to quit. <laughs> trying to get right through alcoholism. <laughs> trying to, trying to I, I, need to, I need to straighten up. Let's start drinking. <laughs> <laughs> he's trying to trying to get right with his alcoholism. And, uh, you know, he's, he's a, uh, a flawed individual who's, you know, um, trying to get better. And 
you know, so he comes off as a normal person and then he ends up getting, you know, mm-hmm. descending into madness, so to speak. Whereas Kubrick kind of portrays him already as an off person. And that's evident in this interview where he's just, I don't know, just kind of creepy. You know? yeah. yeah, I'll watch yeah. your hotel. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. Can uh, I kill my family here? <laughs> well, essentially, the guy's like, you should know the last caretaker murdered his wife and chopped his kids up into pieces and stuff like that. And he's like, well, that is intriguing, you know? And, and you're like, all right. All right. Thank- Maybe this isn't for you. you thank want- you for your, we'll, we'll call you. Well, they're like, they're probably like, who else are we going to get? So, uh, so yeah, he gets the job and, um, man, there's five beats on just this interview. <laughs> All right, so after he gets the job, Jack calls home to Wendy, played by Shelley Duvall, and this is the first time you see her, and she looks like she's already been for the show. <laughs> she's looking, she looks like a vet. <laughs> she's looking rough right from the get with her, like her yellow, craggly teeth, you know? Bug like, eyes. Shaking it, smoking a cigarette. <laughs> like, Jack! Did you take the job, Jack? Uh, Jack calls home. Wendy answers the phone. A cowboy film is showing in the, uh, to the left of the frame. Whilst... Wendy occupies the right of the frame. This is a subliminal reference to cowboys and Indians. I don't know if it went in that was. much detail. <laughs> Implying that Wendy will assume the role of a tormented native. <laughs> Do you think Kubrick was really like that? Dude, like I said, I found the scene by scene, and I'll let you pull from it what you need. So I think this is just people look into this looking for what they want right. it to be. I, I, I do too because I watched an hour long documentary uh, from Kubrick's wife where mm. she was shooting behind the scenes stuff and a lot of it was like Kubrick like walked up and he was like alright so you're standing there uh, and he just like lays down on the ground and he gets a camera and looks up and he's like yeah we're going to shoot it like this. <laughs> you know and, and I'm like okay so he's just kind of winging it as he goes you know I don't think that they had this much methodically plotted out. All I know is about this movie is Stephen King didn't like it, and they basically psychologically and physically tormented Shelley Duvall for a year. <laughs> I, I have notes on that, too, because I don't think so. All right? I think Shelley Duvall is just a drama queen <laughs> and crazy. Um, so, But I'll, I'll get to that later. So Danny stands before a bathroom. Kubrick, who, with The Shining began developing semiotic language far beyond for that which he utilized in 2001 A Space Odyssey, carefully places several important signifiers here. Consider these for the time being. A tub of Vaseline beside Danny, the number 42, and a green shower curtain. Here we go with the green curtains. (laughs) All right, the number What does it mean? See, like, okay, so I... I'm going to call this the 42 effect because the number 42 shows up like three times in the movie and people lose their mind about it. They think that it means something. Danny wears it on his like little sort of sweater kind of jersey thing that his mom made for him. I'll be honest, I didn't notice it at all. Exactly. <laughs> and then the the room uh, two... 242? Two, uh, uh, or three? It, I don't know. Anyway, I'm sure it's in here at some point, but... The numbers add up if you divide by pi equals <laughs> 42. People are, like, getting that stupid about it, you know? And I'm like, I think it's just a random number, people. Chill out. While speaking in the mirror, Danny moves Tony, his finger, up and down six times. The result... Tony's not here. The result that Tony moves a total of 12 times, six in the mirror, six in real life. The next time Danny moves Tony, he will do so 21 times. Does that equal 42? 
Probably. Like I said, you don't have to read it <laughs> line by line. This is just to give you an, an idea. This is the, my problem with the movie, is that people really do think that everything has to mean something. I just I, thought this was a crap movie. It was boring. I, I, I don't think that everything is intentional. I think that there's a lot mm-hmm. that is, like, you know, intentionally trying to do something, but I think it's more subliminal. Like, we're going to have this be an, an ugly color because it makes the audience feel uncomfortable. Instead of, like, the green means that... Cthulhu once possessed this hotel, <laughs> and you know uh, they're actually in hell. That's ridiculous. He would have been a rival. Uh, during the bathroom, oh my god, this is a whole page just for the scene. Uh, the bathroom. <laughs> move on. Four thousand eight hundred eighty-five tiles. <laughs> All right. So yeah, Danny talks to himself in the mirror, and he he says Tony is the little man that lives in his mouth. Um, he, in his mouth. Yeah, and then he kind of like has a seizure or I don't an know, episode. He has an episode. Yeah. And then he's uh, woken up, and it's, this part of the scene is kind of confusing, uh, a little off-putting, because he's not wearing pants. He's a little boy in underwear, and the doctor lady is, like, weirdly straddling him, you know? And she, so it, cut, it does a weird cut from uh, the Overlook Hotel where uh, Jack is starting to get kind of, like, spooky vibes. Mm. And then um, it cuts back to... Uh, let me look in your eyes. And then you see this lady like eyeball to eyeball contact with Danny, you know, <laughs> staring into his soul with like a little eyeglass thing. And you're like, whoa, you know, that's what they cut back to. And you're like really off put by that. And I, I could tell that they kind of did that because um, maybe just to freak you out. I don't know. And then he, she, he talks about Tony. Tony is this thing that like, it's a, it's a man that lives in his mouth that goes into his stomach whenever she looks into his mouth. And, uh, like he's hiding behind a tooth, and he's like, ah! "Yeah, there's a lot of speculation that that has something to do with like sexual assault that Danny has suffered under his father, Jack Torrance. I don't know. Maybe it's just, maybe that's he's just being creepy. I don't. The know. only thing they allude or ever talk about is how he like hurt his arm or something like that. Oh well, yeah, so. that's that's the literal sense. But yeah. people try to find more implications into what's going on. Um, so and <laughs> and in the book, I. I I I don't know I haven't read The Shining, um, but I read a lot about Stephen King's interpretation of The Shining, and I don't think I feel like uh, uh, the boy has fond memories of his father. It was more of like an aspect of a relationship that it could have been, it should have been, mm-hmm. but it, it it never happened, kind of thing because of his father's alcoholism. Well, I mean, you find out in Doctor Sleep that they he can talk to other people and sense. Other yeah, things. he's got the shine. Yeah, which is what that is. The shining. So, um, anyways, the doctor's like, you know, does Tony tell you to do stuff that you shouldn't be doing? And the boy's like, I don't want to talk about it anymore. And she's like, okay. <laughs> so, um, they, I think at this point we're now going to, because uh, this is a whole other page about the doctor, and Jack and Wendy are taken. To, okay, cool. So, um, now we're moving on to their driving to uh, the Overlook Hotel. Um, the, overlook, the hotel is a place of contrast. American flags, stark reds, whites and blues, U.S. eagles, prepackaged food, and other trinkets of Americana constantly clash with the Navajo Indian artwork. That's right. It's on top of an Indian burial ground. <laughs> I <laughs> forgot about that. Yeah, they put that, like, right in the get-go. And he's like, well, in 1908, you know, we, we spent two years constructing this, and the natives tried to drive the people off but because <laughs> it was on an Indian burial ground, but we said, nah. And I'm like, that's never a good way to start your movie. So <laughs> some some stuff's going to happen. 
Um, Have you guys not seen Poltergeist? Yeah. <laughs> so the theme doubles itself carried out throughout the film. The narrative leaps forward in pairs. Yeah, they do talk a lot about how essentially as the the time starts with isolation for the family, it's a month. Mm-hmm. And then it goes down to a week. And then it goes down to specific days in the week. No, I didn't notice that. Yeah. And then it goes down to specific times of one day in the week. And it's weird that it's uh, kind of coning in so to speak, on, like, the craziness. Like, Mm -hmm. this is the moment where they all lose their minds. Now, I have to say, minus the ghost stuff, this would be an awesome place to be a caretaker for. I mean, you saw the game room. They still got TV. I mean, you got all the food you could want. Yeah, and you got plenty of ghosts to talk to. Well, as I said, minus the ghost stuff, Mm -hmm. it would be an awesome place. If they had good Wi-Fi, I mean, we could hang out there and just play Call of Duty. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, Oh, so they're still talking about them getting settling into the... the (laughs) The hotel. Uh, oh, yeah. This is before they're isolated. This is where Danny meets Mr. Holleran, who is a uh, the, he's a black guy. And that's relevant because race is, it is kind of like a subliminal thing that goes on in this, yeah. too. Um, like, for instance, well, it's not subliminal from one of the ghosts. But. No, but they do talk about like when uh, Jack is struggling with his alcoholism and he gives in and drinks ghost brandy yeah. <laughs> at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, he calls it the white man's burden. Yeah. The white man's burden. Um, and, you know, so you're, you're assuming that there's guilt, essentially, for what white people have done to other races, including, like, the Indians mm-hmm. and uh, the, the the black cook, Mr. Holleran. I, I like how Mr. Holleran specifically tells Danny, don't go in room 237. Yeah. And, like, you tell a kid, and that's exactly what they're going to do. I... <laughs> I, I was waiting for him. I remember watching this uh, for the first time, and I was like, well, if you don't want him to go into it, you need to, like, scare the crap out of that kid. I was waiting for him to, like, shake the kid, slap him around a little bit. <laughs> Stir! <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so both Danny and Jack are warned twice. The first warning comes from the present. The second warning comes from the past. Because during the storeroom sequence, Danny learns that Mr. Hallring can also shine. Shining is a process which allows... One, to both look into the past and foresee the future, essentially allowing Danny and Holloran to learn from the past and prevent future horrors. Left alone, Danny and Holloran have a conversation in the kitchen. Kubrick keeps the shot tight and the background constantly out of focus until Danny delivers the line, is there something bad here? And it's true, and it's not just about them, and this is very Kubrickian, it's not about what the characters are actually saying. It is about all of the feeling that you get. Um, they do something called Mickey Mousing a lot in this movie. <laughs> yeah. <Huh? laughs> Where the music uh, emphasizes the beats of the character's body acting. Oh, so, yeah. So every time they take a step, you'll hear like a... You know, as they like start to go off and do a mm-hmm. run or something like that. Mickey Mousing is usually considered to be kind of like a slapstick you know, tool. The cartoonish, yeah. Um, and what... What's interesting is you don't really know that you're that they're doing it in this movie. They they've found a way to not use it to slap you in the face with it, but to emphasize the more tension and traumatic situations that these characters are going through. Um, and I guess in the what year was this movie? Eighty. Eighty. Yeah. I guess in nineteen eighty, when like you know you're used to Looney Tunes and 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 kind of like over the top character uh, cartoon uh, slapstick music kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. This music didn't gel well, but I think over time it's gotten a lot more tasteful and people who see it 
younger people who don't know what a real horror movie is, not <laughs> Jeepers Creepers Reborn, but like, <laughs> you know, uh, The Shining, and they see that, and they're like, I don't know why, but this movie creeps me out. And that's that's what Kubrick's going for. So, uh, moving on. Wendy navigates uh, the famous hedge maze, pushing... Um, oh, no. She navigates the maze of the... Um, of of the uh, overload, Di- yeah, the diagram, right. diagram, or what? Oh, no, no, they're not just they're, through, they're, through the hallway. Yeah, about. yeah, just they're not in the the hedge maze yet. Uh, pushing a breakfast trolley into the bedroom. In this sequence, there are two jacks, one in the mirror and one in the bed. There's a lot of mirror mm-hmm. kind of things, almost like an alternate version. I'm sh- there's probably a ton of symbolism that goes on with that. Uh, you know that. Jack Nicholson has a very interesting face as it is. <laughs> and, you know, to see him kind of like look at himself in the mirror with his angular eyebrows and stuff like that, you're like, wow, there's a lot of, there's a lot going on in that head right there. Well, because there's like one scene where Danny and, uh, was a uh, Shelly's outside playing, or what was it? What's her? Wendy. Wendy. Danny and Wendy are outside playing in the, like the snow, and Jack's just st- sitting out the window, just looking, go- or sitting, looking through the window going, um, just like glaring, yeah. He, he looks like he's starting to lose it, and it's like just the beginning of the movie, right? Uh, he so uh, it is a very um, Lovecraftian descent into madness, and, and another thing too uh, that Kubrick did was he focused it basically from the descent from Jack Nicholson's character's point of view, mm. Jack Torrance. Um, but you see it more as the crazier he gets. From the the other character's point of view, watching him go crazy, which is an interesting narrative shift as this movie goes along. Everything's about Jack in the beginning, and the second he starts to like drink and kind of go off the rails, the 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 POV flops to these other characters, and it's 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 interesting that they've kind of a dichotomy has shifted where you you the uh, Kubrick doesn't want you to associate with that character anymore. He wants you to to be creeped out by him. At that point, um, and that's another re- thing that that King hated was the fact that it was all about Jack Torrance mm. and not the rest of the family's issues. Uh, Wendy, of course, uh, uh, King was you know notoriously uh, quoted for calling her a mi- misogynistic character because she's just like the scared, gaslit, crazy wife that that goes off the rails and has to deal with her uh, abusive husband. Uh, as opposed to her having more of a heroine character in the book and making smart decisions and not just screaming. You know, <laughs> <shit>. <laughs> so, yeah. God, I wanted to hit her. I was rooting for him. <laughs> yeah. I was like, get in there. So, um, and there's more, like, nuanced detail. Um, there was on. over, there was 1,042,000 stitches in the carpet. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, Jack is, of course, in this hotel. He chooses uh, isolation so he can focus on his work uh, mm-hmm. on writing. Um, the the first time, pretty s- soon after the isolation begins, Jack starts uh, sitting in his uh, in front of his typewriter. That part actually made me laugh when I saw it because it's this gigantic yeah, room, yeah. and he's just like little tiny Jack just sitting there at the bottom of the screen. He's just like, yeah. I love so it's it, it. It does a good job of portraying kind of like the sensation of where you know, like you're trying to write a school re- book report, mm-hmm. and you're just like, I don't want to do this, but I gotta do this, and everything is distracting. This giant room, mm-hmm. blazing fireplace, like really loud and bright <laughs> to your left. 
There's a tennis ball. I'm going to throw the crap out of this tennis ball. I love how Jack Nicholson is just like, <laughs> every time he throws that ball. Just, he's just doing absolutely anything, putting every ounce of energy into anything except for the paper that he's trying to write. And then when he finally gets his role and he starts writing, you know, Wendy comes in to check on him. Mm-hmm. He's like, <laughs> get up. You know, he's like threatening to like murder her right from the get-go. That's where like the biggest change mm-hmm. in his character is. Is where he's like, you know. When you see me sitting in this room on the desk with the typewriter, I'm working. He's like, <laughs> like freaking out. Get your dumb, get through dumb head. You know? <laughs> and she just has that look on her face like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. She's got that like. Deer one, in the headlight. Yeah. She's she's really good at doing that. And, you know, I, I, I might be real. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, she also has, like, that one where you can tell she's not looking at anything. So, like, that one eyeball kind of drifts a little bit. <laughs> and, and, and But she's looking directly in the camera. And the way her eyes, like, kind of don't focus on you, just like, ugh, she's seeing through me. You know? <laughs> so, um, you know, but... Uh, yeah, she plays the the victim up. To be fair, you know Jack Torrance is like bombastically screaming at her about nothing. Um, the, this repetition frustrates Jack, so he lashes out at Wendy whenever disturbed. When Wendy asks Jack to take her for a walk, Jack refuses and says he needs to spend time writing. But Jack Jack's book itself manifests his ability to risk change and his preference for ceaseless repetition of the familiar. All well, we'll save that for. Later in the <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, when Wendy and Danny explore the hedge maze, this is where she decides <laughs> to go out and explore the hedge maze. Jack wants to write, so she takes Danny out. Uh, they both repeat the line, the loser gets to keep America clean. This line relates to the American Indians, the loser in the war for America. <laughs> Wait a Deep yeah. dive there, huh? <laughs> Who ironically are now more concerned with keeping America clean than their white victors. Line is possibly also referenced to the series of near racist weeping or crying Indian advertisements, which ran on TV during the 1970s. It's a lot of hefty speculation there. I do agree. White people were bad to Indians. and um, But I don't know if the movie had that much symbolism. Like I didn't notice it. This black and white about it, but yeah. Uh, Other than it being an Indian burial ground, that's the only, I guess, connection I saw. Like, yeah. All right. Uh, so they explore the maze. There is a good bit of time of them exploring the maze. I think it's more just to establish that it's, you know, forever. Yeah. Um, the weird part, too, is where Jack is standing over the, the hedge maze map. Yeah, it's like a little diorama, and he's just, like, looking down. And he can see them in the center of the diorama, like like he's, like, God observing them from space. Yeah. You know, um, which is also very strange. Um and then we cut to Danny is on his big wheel, and he rides up to room 237. He tries the door, because of course. Uh, however, it is locked. Later in the sequence, uh, this will be repeated with the camera on the opposite end of the corridor. Whatever, speculation again. I just want to say, having a big wheel riding around in those hallways would have been awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah as a kid, that would have been so cool. I'm also impressed that the cameraman could keep up, because that kid was fucking... <laughs> <laughs> that kid's just, you just see like feet like pumping, and I... You, and the camera's actually pretty smooth. Yeah. And I watched uh, the behind the scenes, and the way they did that was they just had a dude with a camera holding it and just, like, you know, kind of coasting, like, doing the squat run next behind him. <laughs> and, and Kubrick's big, fat body's just, like, huffing in the background <laughs> trying to keep up, too. <laughs> so, 
but they actually kept it pretty still. That was, uh, that was impressive. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Jack is typing the Colorado Lounge. Wendy walks up to him again with red, white, and blue color scheme because that means something and offers him uh, something to eat. He blows up on her. Uh, we already talked about that. Uh, well, I noticed that Wendy, basically, she's the one that's like keeping everything running in the hotel the entire time. But one thing that got on my nerves, and I know it's, you know, quote unquote, CB radio etiquette. But when, they, when over. she's talking to the deputy, over. Like, over. How are y'all doing up there? Over. Over. We're doing pretty good. Over. Over. <laughs> driving me insane. Because it was just like a long conversation that they were having. Yeah. Yeah. She. It is. We. I'm sure that that's intentional too. Is that Jack, which is supposed to be like the guy that fixes the boiler room and mm-hmm. keeps like the heat and stuff going. He's not doing crap. He's either like staring at himself in a mirror, sitting in his bed, drinking with ghosts. Mm-hmm. Or not, typing, not writing. Yeah, I mean, he, she's going through with like the checklist, checking fuses, right. checking like the the, the boiler. He got the job for her, so he could just hang out and do what he wanted. Yeah, it's like you do what I said gonna, I would. I'm gonna go play wall ball <laughs> and talk about racial slurs. Well, that, and I was wondering because up until towards the end, you don't see Jack actually physically talking to ghosts until towards the end later on in the movie, but it kind of alludes that maybe he's seeing them the whole time. Like, the way, the way he acts, like, he acts like things are off. I, I don't well, know. Well, okay. So, so, so I, careful. That's what I'm asking. I'm like, is he seeing So, I, I think that what Kubrick has done is he's made a movie ambiguous enough where anybody can watch it and have their own theories about it, and that is fine. But remember, it's a theory. Well, that's what I'm asking. Like, is he supposed to have been seeing them? Because it just seems like he maybe You has. don't know. Okay. And, it, and it's okay for it to go one way or the other. There's no wrong answer in this situation, and people lose their mind about it. Like, no, it's obvious the curtains are green because Jack has incestual feelings about his mother or something like that. <laughs> They're teal. <laughs> <laughs> Where did that come from? Exactly. These are the people you just, you just want to hit them. I know. <laughs> So, like, people who are like that, you just don't argue with them. Like, you want people, like, like, reading novels. Yeah. Like, in high school, like, in English. It's just like, you know, what did Shakespeare mean by saying, like, that, or, like, this person mean? But it's just like... Shakespeare, the guy that makes up words. Yeah. So, <laughs> he can have things rhyme or something. Yeah. Let's let's talk about that. Um, all right. So, uh, tough guy Danny, I don't know why he said that, again in red, whites, and blue, continues his ride in the big wheel, exploring the overlook like an intrepid adventurer. Our bite-sized hero is stopped in his tracks over when he's confronted by the, the greedy twins. Come play with us Damn forever yeah. and ever now, and ever. I had a little... Have, have either one of y'all ever seen the, the little snippet shorts of cars on the road? It's it's like a, a TV series of based on cars, that you know, yeah. the animated Owen, Owen Wilson thing. Yeah. My son loves this. And there's an episode where they go into a haunted house, and it parodies... The the shining throughout the mm-hmm. entire episode. Yeah, they, he finds a room full of ghosts. He comes in around the corner. And there's his two twin cars yeah. that say, "Come play with us," and then they like crumple and turn into ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just thinking, hmm, if only he knew how creepy that would is. Because <laughs> yeah. even Family Guy did it. Was like Stewie riding around, and then he get around the corner, and it's Homer Simpson running from him. He's like, <laughs> he runs him down or something. So it's a really good sequence in in the shining because Danny, you know. He, you follow him for what feels like ever, ever. you know, <laughs> just if him going nuts on that for uh, that big wheel, just in, in like the, 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 the cool aspect of chasing this kid, you know, as he's just enjoying himself kind of wanes for a while. And you're like, all right, where are we, where are we going with this? This has been like at least a minute. 
And then he stops as soon as he sees the twins. And, yeah. And it's a very abrupt stop. Mm-hmm. You know, they see they're that, not supposed to be there. Right. And, and you see his reaction where he's just like, uh, and then you see the, the girls like with their kind of like awkward, coy smile. And then they deliver that line. And then it jumps to like them bloodied on the ground. Yeah. Like it just like yeah. flashes to it for yeah. a second. And then it flashes to Danny's face where he's just like, ah! he's got that. Like the kid's really expressive. He's yeah. really good at like being afraid for camera. And then, it, and it, you know, the chaos of the music. It's because off screen, Kubrick was beating his mom. That's why he's like. Actually, <laughs> Kubrick like, was like really. He made it kind of a game for the kid who played Danny. Mm-hmm. You know, he he the whole acting thing. He didn't want to traumatize. He's from what I I've heard. He's like, I got to Shelley Duvall enough. Yeah, <laughs> I don't need to ruin different. your life. <laughs> and I have theories about Shelley Duvall that I'll talk about at the end of this. But um, Danny, I think you know, he realized it was a kid, and Kubrick has always kind of like had a soft spot for uh, child actors and apparently he's one of the better directors to work with as a child actor however he very rarely worked with kids so um all right moving on uh that happens (laughs) (laughs) i'm I'm trying to like whatever scene that was (laughs) that happens i'm trying to navigate like all of the ambiguous you know what this all means so as the film progresses, we will witness various spectral images and ghostly visions jack's ghosts which he seems to conjure up himself as our representative of everything he desires the american dream aka the golden room the golden room is an interesting part of the the uh, hotel because it's very gold well it's very like out of character from the rest of the hotel it's it's very ritzy compared to the rest right i mean it's all a big you know luxury hotel but this is above and beyond yeah and and it's for it being the fanciest, kind of cleanest, schmarmiest place in the hotel, you'd think, like, the boiler room would be where all the spooky stuff happens. Yeah. You know? Uh, but it's in the bar. Yeah. The VIP room. And that's where the real Champagne kind of room. supernatural conflict ensues is in mm-hmm. the golden room, you know? Um, and I can see why people say the descent into hell is an alluring descent because you have to willingly forgive yourself up. And that part where Jack sits down at the bar and talks to Lloyd, the bartender, mm. who never blinks. He stares at Jack, and he's just, like, kind of happy. He never says, like, I'd sell my soul for right. a drink. Yeah, and, and then you, you see, like, a little bit of a smirk when that line is delivered on Lloyd, the bartender, and he's like, will you now, you know, and he gives him a drink, which is the drink I thought was significant for some reason. Did they think it was significant? I'm sure they did. Uh Jack's alcohol demon, Jack Daniels, is a composite of father and son, Jack and Danny. The film <laughs> will go on to show that Danny has a seductive longing for both his son, Danny, and alcohol, Jack Daniels. So this guy's also going the whole, he wants to do things to his son route, I, th- I think. <laughs> uh, I saw that once or twice, and I think that just because it's creepy, mm-hmm. his relationship, it doesn't have to be seductive. But people kind of go there because people are gross. Um, anyways, uh, the movie that's being played in the background while uh, Danny, it, while Jack is drinking and Danny and Wendy are chilling in their in their hotel room is the summer of forty two. There's that number again, uh, which is a I don't know why that's important. Forty two. <laughs> uh, Danny's wearing a Mickey Mouse sweater, and a lot of people oh. were trying to make things about that too. 
Yeah, let's just go in. Well, when he's wearing the sweater, that's when he actually goes into the room. He goes into the the two thirty seven room, or and then he comes out with like his torn, uh, like his sweater's torn, and she accuses Jack of like doing something to him. But then it's like she leaves. She goes and leaves the kid, and she comes to Jack saying that there's somebody else in the hotel, and she's carrying the bat, and. So if there's somebody else in the hotel that you think attacked your son, why would you leave him alone? Exactly. But then she, she's a bad mother. But then, but then she starts looking at Jack, and he's looking at her crazy, and then she starts accusing him. Well, he, he says the famous line, "What the f are you talking about?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what the? <laughs> and, 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 but like, because he's you know in his, and he's obviously not drinking anything. He's just sitting there in some sort of like you know uh, trance. Yeah. Stupor. But he's he's acting like a drunk person mm-hmm. and when she interrupts him with that you know you can see that he's kind of like angry about it um so jack goes to the room 237 uh and he he sees the woman this woman with the biggest bush in human history and the longest legs <laughs> to begin with who's you know so he goes to the room and he's got. Does he have a bat? I can't remember if he's got the bat or not. Oh, oh, yeah, I think he does. And, and he, and he is like, he sees like a person behind the curtain. Mind you, this person just strangled her, his son, and allegedly, uh, allegedly, <laughs> the bruises and the crazy wife, whatever. Look, we don't know what the kid did to start it. <laughs> Look, she's naked. You know, maybe, maybe he is. Well, she comes out of the the bathtub and she's hot. So he's like, you know, let's hey. let's let's figure some things out first. Let's talk about let's this. Talk about this. And, no, don't don't bother getting dressed. <laughs> she kisses him, um, and uh, he sees in the mirror. Yeah, that she's like bloated and got scabs and. Mm-hmm. Skin's falling off, and it's mm-hmm. this old woman with saggy boobies, you know, she's like, <laughs> doing her cackle. <laughs> and he's like, oh, he does that Jack Nicholson, like, scream. It's really <laughs> funny. It sounds like Tarzan. Oh, <laughs> you know, and then it cuts back to him going to Wendy and be like, I didn't see anything. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, We're, I'm not going to talk about that to anybody. He's like, what happened? I kissed the corpse. <laughs> yeah, about There's no one here. Yeah. So, uh, you know, he's like, maybe he did it to himself, you know, <laughs> with his creepy Jack Nicholson, whatever. Um, there's a lot of pages about that love scene. So we'll move on to. Well, then they kind of move on to where he goes back to the bar. That's, I mean, that's the next significant thing. And that's when he runs into the no, waiter. Uh, there's a significant part where oh. he's typing at the type. Well, he's asleep at the typewriter. You hear him. Oh, yeah, and he starts screaming. Yeah, you hear him doing his moan. Jack Nicholson thing. And then Wendy like runs to him and she wakes him up and he's like, I had the worst nightmare. <laughs> and, and, and he's like, looks at her. And he's like, I chopped you up into bits. <laughs> and she's just like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you want, you want like a sandwich or something? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, like the, obviously they're pushing that a lot, you know? Um, uh, after the nightmare, Jack breaks down and falls beneath the table. Kubrick uses diagonal framing. I'm not going to talk about all that mess. Jack gets upset and seeks solace in alcohol. He goes back to the bartender, heads down the corner, and leads to the gold room. The, go- the quarter is lying. I'm not going to talk about the color. He sees a mirror. He talks to the mirror. The what? I don't remember <laughs> this part. So... Uh, let me read this. Uh, said, what is that part that you're reading? <laughs> as Jack walks down the corridor, he mumbles a line exactly when passing each mirror. First mirror, who, me? Second mirror, F, you. 
Third mirror, animal growl followed by outward slashing of his hands. I don't remember that. <laughs> I think we're getting into the weeds. It could just be Jack Nicholson just doing his thing <laughs> and then people interpret. That's how he actually goes about. <laughs> yeah, he sees a mirror. <laughs> huh? uh, anyway, Jack sits at the bar despite knowing what alcohol led him to do in the past, which was he admits to the bartender that this one time yeah. the kid – Dropped my papers and I got angry. It was a uh, what do you call it? A, a, a compulsion of muscle disorder where one ounce, <laughs> one ounce of extra strength just happened to dislocate his shoulder. <laughs> and you're like, geez. <laughs> so, yeah. What extra pound of pressure? At this part, he talks about white man's burden, which is actually a poem by Rudyard Kipling. I didn't know that. Uh, it was a European white man's burden or duty. The poem says to conquer native savages and aborigines. Where they did not have European language <laughs> education, or right? Look, they're not—they're not like us. So clearly, they're wrong. And <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> for anybody who's going like, "What do you keep? Let's cancel him." Isn't that the guy that wrote the Jungle Book? Yeah, let's cancel him. I mean, he was a super racist guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack speaks of using too much force on Danny, precisely the moment when Wendy runs in the room, and we are talking about the crazy woman. Uh, so, oh yeah, the the the. We, we brushed over the part where Danny goes to check in on his father because he wants the red fire truck, and his father is supposed to be asleep, but he's actually awake in the bed. And they have that moment where he sits on his dad's lap, mm-hmm. and it's kind of creepy. That's where people are, like, thinking that there's something, you know, nefarious going on. Well, because I mean, he's telling Danny that I would never hurt you. I love y'all. Yeah. I would never do anything to hurt you and stuff like that. And maybe, I, I don't think that it was intentionally, like, sexual like that. I yeah. think it was just, you know, Kubrick was like, all right, lay on the creep, yeah. you know, and, and Jack Nicholson's like, send it. <laughs> <laughs> you got it, Stan. Uh, they talk about the woman. Um, they're talking about how many steps he takes into the room and stuff. like. That. Come on. 42. <laughs> uh, what about the bruises on his neck, Wendy says? Uh, somebody did that to him. And uh, Jack says, uh, he kind of talks it away because uh, he doesn't want to talk about Danny being uh, hurt because it brings up bad memories. Um, and he then he blames Wendy for effing up his life, holding him back before storming out of the room, you know, because everything's her fault. Mm-hmm. And he's a alcoholic loser. Um, Jack uh, walks aimlessly into the hotel. He sees, at this point, after this fight with his wife, he just kind of wanders off. He sees balloons now. Like there was a party that just happened to happen, yeah. you know, right outside the golden room. Uh, he goes into the golden room and people are doing their like, yeah, dancing in the yeah. background. And he's just like, got his stupid Jack Nicholson Joker smile, like, wow, everybody's having a good time in here, you know? Isn't, the, isn't this place <laughs> supposed to be empty? Yeah. Yeah. And like to him, it's just like, oh, cool people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he sits back down at the bar. But they're all dressed in like, you know, 1990s. 50s, 40s, 30s kind of clothing and stuff, so. Yeah, he's definitely at a place with, like, his blazer. Yeah. His, like, uh, uh, cardigan-looking thing that he's wearing. Um, the band plays Al Boley's Midnight, the Stars, and You, which is apparently important. Um, a woman walks across the screen. Uh, we're not going to talk about that. It's more speculation, speculation, speculation. Well, this is the scene where he bumps into the waiter. So he has a little thing with the bartender and gets another drink, but then he pays Tries to pay with money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the bartender's like, your money's no good here, sir. It's been and taken it, care of. <laughs> yeah, it's been taken because it's... It's, it's his, on the house. It's his soul, obviously, that he spent mm-hmm. to, to have a drink. Yeah. And so then he gets up and he runs into uh, the waiter 
who splashes like orange juice on him, you know, yeah, something. And it, you find out that the waiter was the last caretaker at that moment who chopped up his little girls into bits. Yeah. And, uh, you know, then he, he's like, let, let me take you into the very red bathroom <laughs> to clean up your, uh, your, your jacket that got orange juice on it. And then he starts like lambasting him about how, you know, disorderly his family is. And he's like, one should take considerable measures to put them in check. Mr. Torrance. <laughs> He's like, yeah, but the, one should. That ghost is also <laughs> the one that starts all the the, uh, the races talk yeah. and all that. <laughs> yeah, I hear he's been communicating with a insert hard R. <laughs> so, uh, and then Jack's like, yeah, hard R. Um, you ever dance with the devil in the pale, pale moonlight? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, at that point, you're like, all right, so this guy's crazy, and he might kill his family if it's the first time you've seen the movie. I, I, I do think that the movie is made with uh, uh, a symposium of you're going to see this and get a vibe the first time you watch it and then a different vibe subsequent times you see it after that. Mm. And, you know, after you watch it the first time, you're seeing the signifiers. And that's a whole different kind of journey of, of Jack's descent into madness as opposed to what the hell is going on while you're watching it the first time. So um, that happens. Jack is then taken to the bathroom. Now we're going to talk about that. That's, that's a whole nerd page there. Uh, Grady is the name of the guy that was the caretaker before him. Yes. Um, Jack decides, I'm going to be crazy now. And uh, he uh, tells Grady that despite his willful boy who has great talent, um, great talent, as he keeps saying, um, he uh, is agreeing that the, the woman, uh, his wife, is holding him back. She got to go. Yeah, ruining <laughs> everything. So he decides he's going to go uh, and unplug the, the one working radio because the phones have been out from a bad storm. Mm-hmm. So he goes and rips the fuses out of the, the radio box so yeah. they can't communicate with the local police station. Uh, apparently this scene resembles the disconnection of HAL 2001 A Space Odyssey. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Mitch... <laughs> what are you doing, Did Jack? you find, like, the longest report? I found the one that went scene by scene. That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> they made their own scenes. At this point, for some reason, uh, I think, I can't remember what it was. Uh, was it the woman that uh, shocked Danny so bad that How- Mr. Hallerman actually sensed it for- through the shine? Yes. And um, so he is concerned about what's going on in the Outlook Hotel. When he sensed Overlook it, Hotel. he sensed it there because you see him sitting in like his hotel room or his house or wherever he's at <laughs> with naked women on the walls. Yeah, that part's funny. <laughs> I was he's like, I don't a, remember this. He's just a dude chilling in the bed watching the news report, and then the camera's like pulling out, and there's just like this big, ginormous afro woman with like her. And it's like, it's like a painted picture. <laughs> just all of it hanging out, and he's just... It's like sweet old man, but but he's got some. <laughs> and then it flips to the TV with another ginormous yeah. painting. Above Man's it. got some needs, you know. <laughs> so, hey. you know, maybe like there's some subliminal thing that he's a good guy because he's heterosexual. Well, and well, it's, he, it's the eighties and whatever. He likes girls. But when he, when Danny uh, gets attacked or whatever, that's when he senses it. And then when uh, yeah. Jack meets the butler, which is actually the old caretaker, that's when you start realizing that uh, Gr- was a uh, What's his name? Grady. Not Grady. Uh, Lloyd. Lloyd. That's when Lloyd's, you know, you see that he's kind of on his way back towards the the hotel. It kind of shows a little Oh, Holloran. Holloran, yes. Yeah. 
That's when he's <laughs> hollering. That's when he's, he starts heading on his way back to the hotel. Yeah, well, he's decided something's not right because right. he can't he can't get in touch with him through because the lines are out and mm-hmm. you know the the radio thing is not working. So, which I want to say, he is amazing at like continental travel at that time because he's in Florida. Yeah, <laughs> he's just chilling in Miami. I swear he gets like, there in a boom day. Colorado. <laughs> he yep. gets there in a day. <laughs> I mean, he could have flown. He did fly. He did, but still, I mean. He had, he, he but had to go in like the little bear cat looking thing the up the mountain. Snow cat, yeah. He, so, he, but they do a pretty good job of showcasing how much he cared because there's a there's a little bit of a beat where Holloran talks to Danny how there are people who have what they have the shine mm-hmm. and um, they need to look out for each other because other people don't understand them. So when he senses something's bad, they do a good job showcasing how much energy he's putting into trying to go back to help them. Yeah, you know. And so he gets in the airplane. He calls his buddy who's got a snow cat. You know kind of uh, manipulates him into giving him the snow cat so he can go up to help the family. Um, so, yeah, he uh, – more speculation. Um, all right, so that's – Wendy finally goes to uh, talk to Jack. Um, she has a baseball bat because I think uh, something happened – where Jack confronted her, and uh, what was the moment where she, where Wendy had the this guy's going to try and kill me situation? Do you remember, Mitch? Um. Well, anyways, she's got the baseball bat for some reason. She goes to the typewriter and she starts to read the pages, and and in all and all the pages, just like a thousand pages, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> and and that, he's been typing this for a while, and that part is kind of. Creepy, you're like you're like. Why is he? At, at what point did he go crazy? If he's got this just many going. pretty much. <laughs> and what, what's neat is like not every page is just line for line. Like some of them are shaped like dialogue, but yeah. it's still the same words. There's like random typos. Like you can tell he's like degrading as he was writing it. Um, and uh, you know what's interesting too is he had to have been doing that the entire time he was there. Yeah, and and. The first time she tries to see what he's doing, he gets mad and rips it up in front of her, you know. So at one point, I think he knew that he was writing something that was nonsense, that he was continuing his journey into mm-hmm. madness, but he had enough self-aware to know that an outside perspective would be bad. Well, that, that's kind of why earlier I was asking, like, do you think he's seeing ghosts the whole time that we don't know he's seeing? Because, I mean, if judging by his paper, he's been writing this the whole time, so... Maybe he's going crazy since the beginning. He'd have to, you know, um, at least for what makes sense of our interpretation of the film. I'm sure somebody somewhere says, you know, it's a simu- it's, it's a computer simulation. <laughs> you know, aliens. He's glitching in the Matrix. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Jack, uh, Wendy and Jack begin to argue because he confronts her. He catches her watching the thing. Um, and uh, he mentions his contract, which is signed and agreed to uphold, which is because he... She wants to leave because yeah. uh, the, the girl, that's what it was. She's mad that he wants to stay. And he's like, we have a contract. We have to stay. And, you know, it gets all crazy and whatever. Um, and she's like, somebody try to kill our kid. Let's get out of here. Yeah. And uh, Oh, she realizes that the, the snow cat that they had has been torn up. That's what. Well, he sends, he, he, she's like, well, I'm going to take Danny. Right. And I'm going to get the snow cat and go. And he's like, ah, good luck. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> I already destroyed it. Yeah. <laughs> 
So Idiot. then they do the, the famous line, uh, famous scene where she's on like, the stairs. Stay away, Jack. And he's just like mocking her as he walks yeah. up the stairs. <laughs> he's like, Darling, light of my life. <laughs> <laughs> he does say that the lines, you know, uh, it's written in. Not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your brains in. <laughs> Windy, my treasure. Light of my life. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your brains in. That's called hurting. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, he, like, lunges for her, and she's like, eh, swats his arm. <laughs> and, and he's like, ah! And he falls down the steps and does his Jack Nicholson yell, ah! Ow! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she hit him in the head with the bat. Yeah, and then, then he lays there, and, and he's, all, he's all drooling, and he does his, like, animalistic moan thing, like, Oh, uh, I like how she drags his body to the freezer and she can't figure out how to open it. It's not a freezer, it's a storage room. But, but it, all they gotta do is take the little pin out and she's like, the door won't open. And then she's like, oh. He's like obviously awake at this time and he's not doing anything. He's just like, Wendy? <laughs> yeah. What are you doing, Wendy? And she's like, she drags him in there and then locks him. Um, all right, the one thing I do want to talk about that could be kind of ambiguous, take it for what you will, how did Jack get out of the storage room? Ghost opened the freezer. That's the only thing, I mean, it's yeah. the only thing that makes sense. So the, the ghosts at this point have no direct impact on plot. They're just there to kind of uh, well, manifest I mean, they Jack's suppose, They supposedly attacked Danny. That's true. And the, so that, I mean, that or there's speculation that Jack actually was the one who attacked Danny. Well, he was sitting at the typewriter, so I don't think he did. Well, there's also a very kind of like um, uh, ambiguous time space yeah. thing going on in this hotel. So a person seems like they can be in uh, opposite parts of the hotel pretty fast, mm-hmm. you know. Because uh, they don't, they do a good job of like not giving you a universe that makes sense. Everything mm-hmm. changes, it seems like, and so Jack kind of goes from one place to their place, you know, quick. And he could have assaulted Danny and then gone uh, to back to the typewriter or whatever. I just um, feel like the ghost had an influence on this this scene here, where yeah, it, it pops the pin out and lets him out of the freezer. Let me out of here, and I'll forget the whole goddamn thing. It will be just like nothing ever happened, Jack yells, again agreeing to forget what happened. I don't believe that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think Wendy does either. Um, when Jack first says, open the door, let me out of here, a Frosted Flake cereal box appears behind Wendy's mascot. It's the mascot, Tony the Tiger, featured prominently in the front surface. Does this imply that Danny opened the door for his father? So there's an implication of what happened. Because Tony... The tiger. They're know. great. <laughs> I don't think it was the, the kid. Yeah. Uh, it's just some cereal. <laughs> Jack becoming increasingly mad shows signs of childlike regression. Jack is a dull boy. My head hurts real bad. I need a doctor. <laughs> Danny's nickname is Doc, and he sits cross-legged like a child eating Oreos and milk. He does do that. That that, that I thought that was part funny, like... When he come back and he's been there for a while, he's got like a spread, like a kid, <laughs> you know. It's like all the little things he wanted. She's like, yeah, yeah, a little, a little smorgasbord of snacks. It's the vat of peanut butter open. Uh, Jack makes typing motions on the door with his finger, and there's the iconic shot where he's like beating on the door, and uh, Kubrick, he's looking down with his hair all droopy and stringy. Like, yeah, <laughs> and, and Q- th- th- this is the shot where Kubrick's like, yeah, let's do the shot, and he like lays down on the ground and looks up at him. Mm. 
um, you know, that he just came off the cuff. And you can see that in the documentary uh-huh. behind this movie. So <laughs> I'm, I'm going as fast as I can. Hey, it is what it is. All right. Uh, so, anyways, Holloran finally uh, he 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 ends up getting out. He, you're led to believe that the uh-huh. the, the ghosts let him out, um, you know, because the ghosts make a deal saying you have to kill them. Essentially, and he's like, okay, let me out. And the ghosts like, all right. And so the, the, you hear like a locking mechanism releasing. Mm-hmm. Um, then he grips an axe. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, Holloran arrives and uh, on the snowcat, and he, you know. Hello. He's just like announcing himself as he goes in, and you see Axe, uh, Jack Nicholson <laughs> shambling his way, looking for uh, Wendy. a victim. Yeah. Uh, the uh, uh, they keep referring to 2001 Space Odyssey. I don't know why in, this, in these notes. Uh, Danny writes red rum on the bathroom door mm-hmm. when while Wendy, who after locking her husband into a pantry, just goes to sleep. <laughs> I guess what else are you gonna do? So I'm gonna take a nap. I can't. I don't have time for this. Yeah. <laughs> and she wakes up to Rad Rob, Rad Rob, He could tell the murder was coming. Rad Rob, and she sees Red Rum in the mirrors backwards as murder. We're like, we, yeah, we, we get it. <laughs> 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 so then Jack uh, uh, starts like shaking the door, and she goes to the bathroom and locks that door. Then the the X scene. Now. She could have ended the whole scene. She has this knife. He sticks his face in the door. All, <laughs> like, all she had to do is just be, like, uh, you know, against, like, that side of the wall and just been, like, what? Well, yeah. She, she right. was against that side it's of like the wall. It's, like, kitchen knife, like, right at the bridge of his nose. It just would have been, <laughs> But she's a gaslit, you know, I, that inferior scene woman. That pisses me off because she's just, like, <laughs> shaking. She's, like, <laughs> like, waving it around like a kid with a lightsaber. Just, like, <laughs> with, like, the big, doopy eyes. Yeah. She's, like, <laughs> Yeah, and I'm like at that point I was like Jack, just get in there, like just, 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 just kill her already. God, just <laughs> enough. Well, then she opens the window, puts Danny out. She clearly, they're on the eighth floor. She's like, well, well it's the snow, so she just glides down. But she clearly could have fit out because her both head. arms yeah. and shoulders are already out the window, and she doesn't have big hips. She's so, got that front gut, you know. She, <laughs> the, the widest part. What of are her you body, doing, step bro? <laughs> the widest part of her body is probably her head, and it's outside. Yeah, she got big head. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the the axe scene happens, and I love the camera's work for the axe scene. Uh, there's that famous. Have you guys ever seen the behind the scenes where uh, Jack Nicholson's like prepping to start the scene? Uh-uh. He's just swinging wildly, <laughs> and, and, and like there's like dudes like trying to rig mics and they're like dodging him <laughs> with the axe as he's like getting ready and yeah. stuff like that. He's just going, just like getting crazier and crazier. Then he runs in the bathroom. He's like wiping powder off his nose. He's like, door. When he starts, say action. I don't even know if he waited for action because he just starts like like railing the door with the axe and the camera work does this awesome wipe with the axe as mm. you see make and the, the camera guy is so good he stops perfectly mm-hmm. as the axe impacts the door and you really feel the connectivity of uh, of that impact because you're you're the audience in motion and then it just slaps you stopped with mm. the axe and you're like oh huh, every time it does it so <laughs> um anyways he he does the famous iconic here's johnny line which is improvised. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he reaches in to do the Jimmy the Lock or whatever, and she does yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with his, with like her a cat scratch with a super a, fake knife that she's got in her hand. The Michael Myers sized knife, and she gives him a cat scratch yeah. on his hand. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> and he does this Jack Nicholson howl again. Oh! 
<laughs> and, it's like, uh, that's kind of smart. <laughs> and then uh, she, I guess he like gives up and walks away. <laughs> He's like, God. So she like waits in the bathroom for a little well, while. Well, he realizes that Danny's gotten out. So yeah. he goes after him. Right. And then that's when he, Mr. Because he sees the window open through the little hole. Mm-hmm. But that, that's what Mr. Howard See, what he should have did was, like, shamble going, I'm going to go kill Danny, and, like, wait for her to, like, run out while he's just, like, hiding ah! behind the corner. Just go, idiot. But I, it's like a few-second scene, but as he's charging to go outside to look for him, he, he turns and looks in the one room where you see, like, this old man in a furry, like, sitting at the bed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, so, like, what the heck is this? Okay, so there is that weird random cut, like, where uh, – a uh, a fancy man is like getting a, a fancy fat bald white man uh, getting fellatio from a guy in a pig outfit with his butt exposed and like the like but it's like full on furry outfit with, with the butt exposed. But it's it's not a pig. It's actually a, a apparently a bear, a bear costume. Or something. Yeah, costume. Something. And, and like this is just blowing him. And he just like he was like oh. he's, he's sitting <laughs> in the position and they're both like and right. look at Jack <laughs> and they like smile at him and Jack's like Ugh. And, but uh it would been funny if that was like that was like what snapped him back into sanity he's just like <laughs> wait what the <laughs> so the uh, we gotta get out of here there's a lot of speculation on what that means a lot of people think that it's uh you know um Jack's final descent into madness he's actually in hell mm-hmm. now uh some other think people think that it's the relationship that Jack has with his son <laughs> yeah you know, it, 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 it visualized because mm-hmm. uh, the bear being his son or something like that. And it also shows like a scene where there's a bunch of skeletons, cobwebs. Are they supposed to have been there the whole time and nobody noticed yeah, them or something? I guess. I, I I don't know. I think it's just spooky stuff. All right. Can we just leave it at that? Okay. <laughs> so um, anyways, Jack uh, hacks the bathroom door 12 times. Halloran arrives in the snowcat. The lights in the snowcat flash 12 times. Halloran takes 21 steps to the front door. <laughs> Jack takes 24 steps to the Why are we <laughs> putting this much detail? I don't think it matters. Uh, all right, moving on. Uh, so so Halloran comes in. He announces himself, and Jack sees him. And he gets like he starts like licking his lips. He's like, yeah, I get to kill somebody. <laughs> Finally. The house needs a soul. And there's no doors between us. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Halloran's like, Creeping through, and the poor old guy. Have you ever seen his like gait? His like legs, they're so bow legged, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> like, I never noticed that until this last watch, and I was like, that's gotta be such a pain to watch <laughs> to walk that, that way. Um, and then you hear like Jack do his, oh, and he like hacks him into the into the chest yeah. and kills him instantly. And it, at that point, I remember the first time I watched the movie, I was like, what was the point of this character if he just dies like as soon as he gets to the Overlook Hotel, you know? He shared the shining. I guess. The shining. But him doing that, you know, this, you watch it again, you see how Danny reacts once that happens because he felt mm. the shine at, at that, th- through that guy's death. And he's like hiding in a little uh, pantry thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he murders the guy. And he stands up and he's like, Danny! Danny! And you see Danny like, get out and scurry away. <laughs> You're like, why would you get out? <laughs> but, uh, oh, during this whole time, Wendy's running around the hotel. I swear, she runs around the entire hotel before finally going to Danny, where she told him to hide. Yeah. <laughs> like, she's just running around the halls. Woo! Woo! I, maybe I, it's 
The hotel is. I was gonna say, I guess maybe that's to symbolize that the hotel changes yeah. as, they, as she moves, but it's it felt like she just decided to, to run the halls before going outside. Yeah. Um. So she, uh. So so Danny runs out into the hedge maze, and then you have the very famous hedge maze scene. I don't care what anybody says. The movie's interpretation of this was way better than what Stephen King did because there's something about like bush monsters and stuff coming to life and blah, you know. <laughs> Just Jack just being crazy, shambling through, looking for footsteps. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and doing his, like, he, at that point, Jack is, like, devolved into an animal. He's not even making words anymore. He's just going, la, 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 Stan, Stan. It's a, the South Park, <laughs> the South Park parody of that is so perfect. Stan. <laughs> and he just howls, you know? He's just making animalistic noises. And then um, Danny, you know, smart, figures out how to, like, backtrack his footsteps mm. where Jack would lose them because he steps in the same spots and sneaks out. Which is hedge pretty mode. smart. Yeah. And he gets out, sees his mom. They get in the Hellcat. The uh, snow The Snowcat. <laughs> the <Hellcat. laughs> and then <laughs> we fire up that V8. Woo! You get in the Snowcat, and they drive off, and then, you know. Completely that, different. One's cold, one's hot. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, they, they, they cut to that infamous last image of Jack Nicholson. Oh, oh, the, the Geico caveman? Yeah. <laughs> that's what it looked, that's what it reminded me of. It looks like the Geico caveman sitting there. With his teeth, his bottom oh. teeth out. Like, <laughs> that's so, such a cute. Like, even the first time I saw it, they cut to that, such a costing image. You're just like, whoa. <laughs> you got to laugh at it because it's got this goofy face. <laughs> like, ah, that, that's the face he chose to die with? <laughs> it's like how it's like a frozen car. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> so. All right. Um, <coughs> so well, behind the, the scenes stuff. Well, the Jack ends up in the 1921 picture. How yeah. does that happen? Mm-hmm. Because everybody who I, I am led to believe everybody who's there that died gave okay. themselves in one aspect or another uh, to the whoever the demon, the devil that runs that. Well, that, that's what I was just guessing was that, you know, if you die in the hotel, you become part of the picture. Mm-hmm. So, Your soul belongs to me. Um, so behind the scenes stuff, you got to watch this documentary. It's actually pretty good. It starts off with Jack Nicholson, like, um, you know, sort of. So I did the picture. This was after Chinatown. (laughs) He's like getting dressed and smoking a cigarette. And he's like, I always brush my teeth before I go onto the scene. And he just like smokes a cigarette right immediately. (laughs) And then, you know, he's constantly like undoing his pants, just like in front of camera. (laughs) And the per. It's it's uh, Stanley Kubrick's wife, <laughs> and she's just like filming it all, <laughs> you know. Like, all right, so uh, every time Shelley Duvall comes into the documentary, she's always complaining about something, and, and you see Stanley Kubrick like, oh, for the love of God, Shelley, <laughs> just like so <laughs> done with her. <laughs> There's one part where uh, they're trying to cue her to come out, and they have all this fake snow, and it's super costly. There's lots of moving parts, and he yells, "Action, Shelley!" God damn it! Action, Shelly! God, for the love of God, Shelly! She's like, was I supposed to come out now? And he's like, God damn it! <laughs> 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 you can see, like, 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 I think he wasn't, like, intentionally gaslighting her. He just hated her guts. <laughs> Why wouldn't and, you just fire and get a different actress? I don't know. Maybe they're too far gone it's in Kubrick. the movie. Yeah, they were probably too far gone in the movie. And then uh, he, uh, she's like sitting there, and she's like pulling a strand of her hair, hair out. And she's like, 
look, I'm so stressed, my hair's falling out. And Kubrick's like, uh-huh, that's nice. Are you going to get to the scene now? <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, we're trying to film. So Remember she, movie? Yeah, she's always complaining, and, you know, she's like she, she'll have a fit, and she'll need to lay down. And Kubrick's like, how long is this going to take? And she's like, I don't know, I'm just so dizzy. And he's like, well, you're needed on set. Just, just maybe just like five or ten more minutes. And he's like, Shelly, okay, I'm going. <laughs> Shelly. He just sounded like a frustrated dad. Yeah. He's just like... <sighs> like he was so done with her, you know. Um, but all the other interactions he had with everybody else was 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 pretty interesting to see. Also, like it's a set. It's like there was a location, I think, for the exterior stuff, but most of the interior stuff seemed to be a set. Okay. And um, they they had like the golden room, and then it was just like a plywood wall, and the other side is just office like tables of people <laughs> like. And he's 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 always doing his last minute changes. They talk about the different colored scripts, why they're colored, and it's because if you've got a blue script and I got a pink script, you know, one of like, us is wrong. One, one of us is wrong. One of us has a the, the, the old one. So you need to find out and stuff like that. All these funny issues that happened back in the eighties and stuff. Like he's that. just dropping update patches. Every five <laughs> <seconds>. Yeah, <laughs> five hundred paid updates. Like, you got the nerfed script. <laughs> <laughs> this is the buffed. Yeah, and, and Jack's like, you know, I don't even bother learning my lines till right before I shoot, you know, because he's, <laughs> he's like, what's the point? And uh, Shelley Duvall is just like, okay, so what's my line again? <laughs> and he's Kubrick, like, yeah, Kubrick's like, for the love of God, Shelley, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the X. And it's just like, you, he's giving the business to Shelley. He goes, Jack, you're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. That's exactly how it is. It's like Homelander, like, at the table. He's just like, all of you were pieces of you know, garbage. I hate all of you. I could kill Except every for you, Black, Black Noir. Noir. You're doing great work, and I love it. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, and then like you'll you'll follow like Jack Nicholson around for a little bit in the documentary, and he'll you'll be like, you know, the average celebrity meets ten times in one year what a person will meet in their lifetime. You know, or as far as like interactions with people, mm. and uh, it, 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 like they cut to like. There's like a party, and he's just shaking random people's hands and stuff like that. And like, all right, so he's a celebrity. We get it. You know? No, it's Jack Nicholson. We know <laughs> so, he's a, he's a, he's an important person. Yeah, it, it was an interesting look behind the scenes. It's on YouTube. It's, it's okay. like forty. Yeah, I've seen long. bits of it. So, um, but yeah, I don't know. I like the movie a lot. I haven't read the book. There's uh, people in both camps that the book is better. Whatever. I don't think that there's much this much introspective going on that requires. <laughs> A book, yeah. a floor full of pages. We, you know, you counting steps up. of how how many steps people take into a room, and mm-hmm. Jack Torrance blinks his eyes forty two times, which clearly means that Satan runs the hotel. You know, I don't know how people make correlations. I'll be honest, the movie's just really boring to me. It is a it's boring it's movie. a long slow movie because it's a it's a slow burn into going crazy. Mm. All right, um, and it it I can see it being problematic. Well, you know. Culturally, for one reason, but also thematically for our generation, with how you the uh, the the movie would assume you have the attention span to to sit through something like that, watching a kid on his big wheel for five minutes, pounding through the, the hotel. I I know just any kind of horror movie where it's just a just a guy is always just kind of mm-hmm. like like Scream. It's like how how do y'all not kill this guy? Well, like, it's it's it, a family thing. But in, like in Scream, the the dude's like tripping over chairs and stuff as he's chasing. That's different. That the Scream doesn't 
Scream's a parody of a horror situation. Mm-hmm. I know. I'm or even like Child's Play. It's a doll. Yeah, punt that thing across the room. But uh, yeah. this is more about like, you know, the thing that you value, the modern American family, ends up turning on itself and becoming the horror, you know. And to see horror. how that plays out. And even even though I, I would agree all the pieces don't connect, there, there's not – everything doesn't make sense. In a, and I think a lot of times – spooky imagery is just used mm-hmm. just for the sake of being spooky. And it, it, you know, that's it. Um, as opposed to there being a literal, uh, step-by-step transcendent into, uh, craziness. So are we all getting an Amber alert here? Yeah. Uh, there you go. So I, I, I like the movie nine out of 10, not my favorite Kubrick film, obviously, but, uh, you know, um, not nearly as good as, uh, 2001. Full Metal Jacket. Yeah, Full Metal Jacket's pretty cool. Um, but I, I actually think I would like this. I think I like Clockwork Orange, Full Metal Jacket, and finally uh, 2001, uh, you know, in that order, all the way to 2001 being the first one. And then The Shining would be at the bottom. This movie would have been better if Arlie Army was just in it. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell is going on here? He's the, he's the ghost. <laughs> 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 Who ate this donut? He like busts in. He's just like, "What are you writing? I'll pl- I'll play. No, no, what? What's your major malfunction? No, I'm not. Did your mother not, <laughs> not love, love you, you enough? <laughs> <laughs> Looks like the best part of you ran down the crack of your mom's butt and ended up with a brown stain on the mattress. Oh, so I'm hoping you'd say it. <laughs> I think you've been cheated. <laughs> so, uh, other than that, I mean, besides like AI, which is sort of a Kubrick film, I haven't seen Barry Lyndon. Um, and some other Kubrick films. There's a couple that I haven't seen very well. So, um, but yeah, eyes wide shut. Mm-hmm. Eyes wide shut. Weird. <laughs> yeah, he's he's into that. He's into this like, let's showcase sex, but let's make it very uncomfortable. Like yeah. he, he wants you to feel bad looking at sex. Kubrick's thing. He's like, I didn't get any of it. Neither can you. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know what 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 that's about. Um, I don't know. Anyway, so, yeah, if you just want to be confused and frustrated and then get on the internet and feel even more confused and frustrated, watch this movie and then try and figure out what you think it means. <laughs> the Shining, 1980 classic. Or watch The Shining. Or you know what you should do? Watch the 1997 movie that Stephen King was so mad he got a miniseries done, which was more literal to his work. <laughs> and apparently it's bad. So, all right, well, that's it for this week's episode. Goodbye from Mitch. Bye. Bye from Tom. Bye, Tom. And goodbye from me, Hayden. Goodbye. God, you're finally quiet. I gotta pee! He's just going on and on about himself. Wait, 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 wait.